You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Good evening. Who, is, uh, who has enjoyed those baptisms tonight and those testimonies? How, how beautiful has that been? Just so exciting through our day-to-day to see people being baptized, stepping up. I've got to confess to shedding a tear or two uh, here tonight, just seeing people stepping up and going through the waters of baptism. Such an incredible, significant moment. And I do want to extend my welcome also to any family or friends that have come to cheer on those that are being baptized tonight, really warm welcome here to CLM, and we're absolutely delighted to have you with us. Also, I want to say, if you've not yet been baptized, and maybe today you're observing these testimonies and observing people being baptized, and it's a reminder to you that you need to do that, can I urge you to not delay any longer? Well, not, not come down and kind of dive in, but let somebody know that, that you're up for it and you need to next time we're baptizing, which is going to be in the autumn, but we can even bring it forward if there's a lot of people. Jesus, as we've heard already, said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is such an important step and mark in the, the journey of somebody seeking to follow Jesus as a Christian. So let us know, any of us involved here tonight, uh, if you need to take a step. Well, the title of my message tonight is Don't Miss Your Moment. I wonder if you could turn to your neighbor with whom you've had much interaction already and just say to them, don't miss your moment. Don't, well, I, didn't, I didn't ask you to say all those other things. That's like, I don't know, you always like give someone a little something and it breaks into absolute anarchy. The message tonight is don't miss your moment. The uh, English evangelist uh, Leonard Ravenhill is attributed with the phrase, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. What he's saying is that sometimes there is a window of opportunity to do something, to seize something, and if you miss it, you've missed it. Now, sometimes things will exist, they'll come round again, but sometimes there is a window of opportunity within which we must seize what is before us. And I want to speak today about not missing our moment. And I want to home in in a moment on a lady in the scriptures who seized her moment. Today we've had 14 people through the day seizing their moment, getting baptized. Probably what happened to them is they heard an announcement that people that needed to get baptized in water had an opportunity to respond and go to a class and sign up and commit and get videoed. I probably pushed through some of their own nervousness or doubts or insecurities or whatever might be seeking to hold them back and, and take a step, and they seize them all. I'm so proud of them all for, for doing that today, and I know it's a significant step on their journey. They've not missed their moment. They've seized their moment. In January 1995, I was in my early 20s. I was working for a church in Nottingham, and I was leading a group for 18 to 25s. I had a vision in my heart to gather hundreds of young adults that were passionate for Jesus, that were going to go full out for Him. But the reality was quite a long way from the vision. Uh, what was happening is on a Friday night, we were kind of gathering just a small number of people. I remember on the very worst night, we just had seven people show up. And I remember on an average night, it was about 30. And to be honest, we were a bit of an eclectic bunch. It wasn't quite what I was hoping for. But I remember one night, a physiotherapy student, she was in her first year called Esther Knight. She arrived into the room. 
And uh, she was a brand new person in our group. She was wearing an Adidas hoodie and Doc Martens and, and wore this massive smile. And when it came to worship, she came quite bold for the first time and sat on the front row. And she worshipped Jesus like it was her last day on planet Earth. The following Tuesday, we had an early morning prayer meeting. This was just for the hardcore. This, this was for people who we were willing to get up out of bed at 5.30 in the morning in January and trek in to call on God for a move among young adults. Normally, there was about six of us, maybe seven of us. And this, uh, this young lady, Esther Knight, she cycled in three miles in the freezing cold to join us to pray. Two hours later, when that prayer meeting finished at 8.30 in the morning, I'd fallen in love. If you didn't know, then that young lady with her Doc Martens and hoodie is now my wife. This is what, what, what some people know as that Pastor Esther. But, but then Pastor Esther was a Doc Martin wearing physiotherapy student. But the question was, what was I going to do about it? Over the next few weeks, I was off my sleep and I was off my food. And, uh, and I was a bit of a, a dithering wreck, to be perfectly honest. And, and I thought, if I don't do something about this, I'm probably going to die. So I'm going to have to go for it. You see, the reality is she might have waited forever for me, but she might not have. I could have missed my moment. I thank God that I had the courage to ask her on a date, and the rest, as they say, is history. I don't know about you, we can easily miss our moment. When I was first a Christian, I understood there are moments of encounter. Some of you will know there are times in the presence of God where, where God himself shows up and changes our lives. We're never the same again. I can remember being in some of those meetings and, and encountering the presence of God. And I got so captivated by the moment, I can remember being really nervous if I had to miss a meeting for any reason. Because I didn't want that to be the one meeting where God really showed up in power. And, you know, I remember my sister would go and I'd say, what happened tonight? What happened tonight? And I, the worst thing would be if she said it was amazing because I wasn't there. It was all about the moment. But as I grew a little bit in my faith, I understood it. It wasn't actually so much about the moment, it was about the momentum of godly decisions, of godly choices, of Monday to Friday, of the long journey. It's not so much the sprint, it's the marathon, it's the long haul. But the truth is, it's both. It's the moment and it's the momentum. The, the decisions to follow Jesus, to keep pursuing him, to keep going month after month and year after year and keep our eyes on him and run the race and finish our race when he calls us home. But along the way, there are moments. But, you know, sometimes there are moments where God shows up and sometimes we can seize a moment. We can lay hold of him. This is one of the things that astounds me in Scripture. If you look at, at the Bible and you track all the miracles that Jesus does, there are moments when he breaks in. The woman, the, the widow at Nain, she's about to bury her son and Jesus uh, collides with this funeral procession and the Bible says when he saw this he his heart went out he was filled with compassion and he broke in she was not looking for a miracle she was looking for a burial but something happened and Jesus broke in but most of the times in scripture when a miracle happens it's because somebody made a move Peter walks on the water but first he says Lord if it's you bid me come and and Jesus says okay you want to play and play come out Come and walk on the water, but it takes somebody to step out. It takes somebody to reach out. And here, as you can see in the screen, in Mark chapter 5, there's a woman. And this is the woman who's known as the woman with the issue of blood. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Mark 5. We're going to break in at verse 24. She's called the woman with the issue of blood because for 12 long years, she's had an issue with bleeding, with hemorrhaging. But 
you know, really she should be known as the woman of faith or the woman who broke through, the woman who pressed through to reach a miracle, but we know her as the woman with the issue of blood. She's used up all her money trying to find a cure, but without success. And as was often the case in a world before modern medicine and personal insurance and state-funded healthcare, long-term sickness also meant poverty. And she's in a place called Capernaum, and Jesus has arrived there with his disciples by boat across the lake, and he gets there, and a crowd gathers very quickly. And in the midst of it, there's, a, there's an important man, a man of great significance and standing in Capernaum. He's the synagogue ruler, and his name is Jairus, and Jairus has got an issue. The woman's got an issue, but Jairus has also got an issue. And his issue is that his daughter is dying. And he comes forward and he pleads with Jesus. He falls at Jesus' feet and he says, Lord, will you come to my home and pray for my daughter? And Jesus agrees to a house visit and the crowd starts to move. But there in the midst of it, you find this woman and she's got no right to stop the crowd, but she reaches out because she refuses to miss her moment. This is what the Bible says. A large crowd followed. And pressed around him. A woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet, you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And be freed from your suffering. For those who don't know the story, the word then comes to Jesus that Jairus' daughter has actually died already. And she's, uh, that, that Jesus needn't come is what he's told. doesn't need to come to the house. But, but Jesus insists he's still coming. And when he gets there, all the mourners are wailing for the little girl. And he sends them out. And he sends them out of the room. Uh, and then he goes in and he takes the little girl by the hand. And, and he raises her up from the dead and gives her back to her father and her mother. The, the little girl is healed, but the woman is also healed. I don't know about you, but I identify in some ways with the woman. She needs God, but the circumstances are against her, and yet she refuses to miss her moment. The Bible tells us that the story begins when she heard about Jesus. And she must have heard something. She must have heard that he was a healer. She must have heard that he was a miracle worker and she decides she's going to reach out to him. I don't know, maybe you're here tonight visiting a friend or someone getting baptized and you're beginning to hear about Jesus. I loved it, the, the guy on, on the screen. In fact, I, I'm sure Lewis is here. I should have seen him somewhere in our meeting. Lewis was baptized in our early service today and uh, just great to, to hear his story. But I've also heard him share about how he, he wasn't looking for God. He was into all sorts of different things in his life, but a friend of his became a Christian. And he heard about Jesus and began a journey of transformation as he explored this Jesus. And what happened to his friend, he realized he needed to make his own commitment to Christ. I was the same at the age of 16. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't on a spiritual quest for the meaning of life. In fact, I was minding my own business, but my mom got transformed by the power of Jesus. She met 
Jesus and she was utterly transformed and our family in time, one by one, we all became followers of Jesus. I heard about him and I was captivated and I had to explore more. And my prayer today, if you're just hearing about Jesus for the first time, is that he would come and impact your world and your life, that you would come to know his power and his reality and his grace and his love, that he has the power to transform you and fill you and give you everything that is good that can be received. I'd like to make three observations from this story, though. Firstly, my observation is this. She reached out to Jesus. Can we say that together? She reached out to Jesus. It's so simple, but it's so profound. You see, this woman, she literally had an issue. I'm not trying to be funny. The traditional version of the Bible says she had an issue of blood. I don't know what you do when you've got an issue. But the thing about this woman is she reached out to Jesus. The truth is sickness, long-term sickness can disorientate you. It can isolate you. It seems as though the woman here in the crowd is all by herself. She's in a crowd, but she's alone. But instead of shrinking back, she reaches out to Jesus. And I wonder how many times as, as Christians, as those who already know him, we miss a moment because we fail to reach out to him. We fail to activate our faith. We, we can be so passive sometimes. We can be so inert sometimes in our faith. We can be so apathetic. And he's waiting for us to reach out to him. And I've come to know this, that if you want God to move, you've got to make a move. He, you might be waiting for him to do something, but he's waiting for you to do something. And the woman, she makes a move. She reaches out towards Jesus. The old song puts it like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And here's the story. The odds were stacked in many ways against this woman. She could so easily have missed it. She could have talked herself out of it, couldn't she? I mean, if you were her, wouldn't you maybe have just wrestled for a moment? You'd have been in the crowd and you'd be thinking, if I can just get to Jesus. But you'd also be thinking, but maybe I shouldn't. But what if I get found out? What if I get busted? What if I move through but can't reach him? What if, what if I do reach him but nothing happens? What if I reach him and I get rebuked? What if, what if, what if? And sometimes our self-talk can talk us out of reaching out to Jesus and doing what we need to do. Sometimes our own self-consciousness can, can deny us actually reaching out. I can remember going one time to a to a meeting there was about 2,000 people there and I was sat really near the back and the guy that was preaching carried such an incredible anointing for revival and I was ready to disgrace myself. I just made a decision. I was going to get him to put his hand on my head before I left. And there's not many times in my life when I've been ready to disgrace myself. But you know, I didn't care. I was beyond, I didn't care what anybody said or what I looked like. I was not leaving that place without he prayed for me. You see, it's not actually about people. It's about God himself. But there was something in that moment where I knew I needed to respond. I knew I needed to do something. She could so easily have overthought it and hesitated. When you've gone on for 12 years, getting bad news after bad news, you can become convinced that nothing's going to change. And the crowd could have moved on and she could have missed her moment. But the Bible says she reached out. To Jesus, she pushed through the crowd. I don't know what your issue is today. The truth is most of us are carrying issues. There are things we need resolution to. 
Maybe you have challenges at home or challenges at work. Maybe you need a physical touch of healing in your body. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your finances. Maybe you need a change to a legal situation. And I know it sounds incredibly simple, but I want to encourage us as the church to be those who continue to reach out to Jesus, who bring our our issues and our prayers to Him, who are, are not afraid to cry out to God. Sometimes I think God is just waiting for us to get serious, to lay hold of Him. So easy to carry it and to live with it, to complain about it, rehearse it, despise it, talk to others about it, or try to fix it yourself, but actually we need to reach out to Jesus. I remember many years ago I had been working for a few years for a church and then I came to an end and I needed to get a job and I remember trying to find a job and my CV looked a bit strange in terms of what I'd done and studied and where I'd worked and I was just trying to get something and I, I talked to loads of people about what I should do and I took lots of advice and counsel and I, I reached out and I, I looked for places where I could apply for work and I applied for loads of jobs but nothing was happening and I, I prayed about it but I prayed about it in a kind of neutral half-hearted Lord, it would be nice if beige kind of a way. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I was like, oh, Lord, please help me. But I came to the end of myself, and I remember kneeling down in my living room and crying out to God. I remember getting to that place of saying, oh, God, I need your help. Will you come through for me? And in a moment, it was as if I was reaching out to him for the first time. And I believe God hears those simple petitioning prayers. But also there are times where we actually need to lay hold of God. We need to push through. And in my experience, not that God is deaf or is waiting for us to lift our voice, but it's in those moments of actually pressing through that a breakthrough can happen. Remembering that moment of intense, fervent prayer of calling on God, tears streaming down my face as I cried out to Him and asked for His help. He reminded me of a prophetic word that had been spoken over my life, that He Himself was going to help me. And I remember getting up from that place and bizarrely seeing a magazine that was open on a coffee table that had a job advert on it that I had never actually noticed. And I looked at it and it was the kind of thing that I needed to go for. And I remember looking at the phone number and I made a phone call and I got invited for an interview and then I got invited for a second interview. But a strange thing happened at that second interview because the God who said he'd help me turned up and did something unusual. You see, two people interviewed me, and one of them would have been my manager, and one of them should have been the human resources manager. But she was sick that day, and her boss's boss's boss showed up. And unbeknownst to me, I was sat before the vice president of European operations. I got a phone call later that day saying, do you want the good news or the bad news? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, the bad news is the job you went for, they don't want you for. But the good news is that the vice president of European operations has a look, and she thinks if you're who they think you are, they want to give you this incredible job that I could never have got myself. They said they wanted to look at me over a day's assessment center. And I said, but what happens if I don't cut the mustard on the day? Can I still do the other job? They said, no, you've blown that one. I remember going for a day and God opened a door for me. Later on in that company, I, was, I used to be part of the team that would actually send out adverts for that job that I ended up getting. We'd, we'd advertise in the Sunday Times. We'd get 5,000 applications for six places. And I would never, ever have made the cut, but my God helped me. But it began on my knees. It began when I reached out to him. And I, I, I believe tonight the Holy Spirit wants to provoke a few people here where you've been way too passive. There's some things that need to shift and yet you've not seriously, if you're being honest, laid hold of him. You've not done anything about it. And I believe the Holy Spirit is coming after you and urging you. 
to reach out, to do something, not to miss your moment, but to lay hold of Jesus. The second point I want to draw out of this story is that she had no credentials other than faith. I love how the Bible is. It shows us so clearly that God is no respecter of persons. I mean, he, he's the creator of persons and he's the lover of persons. But I, I guess if you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then no office or position is going to hold sway. And here you have Jairus. Jairus is the, the synagogue ruler and Jesus agrees. He, he doesn't dismiss Jairus. He goes with Jairus. But Jairus has all the credentials. He's like the ops director, the general manager of the synagogue. He's the guy in charge of the synagogue in Capernaum. He makes sure that it's staffed, that everything's in place for the Pharisees, for the, for the sacrifice, for the different things that need to go on in the synagogue, the, the work of God. You know, he's a, he's a man that would be respected. And maybe the crowd parted because Jairus needed him. And everyone says, oh, it's Jairus, it's Jairus. And everyone steps back so that Jairus can come and have access to Jesus. But the woman, she has no right but she has faith, and that's all that is needed. And I love that. Jesus doesn't turn around and say, who are you? You have no right to come. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And I love it that although she's got no credentials, she's got no right, she has a little faith, faith enough to press in. And I want to say to you tonight, you might feel like you've got no credentials, but you don't need credentials, you need faith. Faith that Jesus can turn your situation around. You don't need expertise. You don't need to have been a Christian for 45 years. You don't need to have been on, on a missions trip. You need a little faith. You don't need a degree in theology, and I'm not despising degrees in theology, but what we really need is a little faith. And the woman has more than a little faith. She steps out. She's a nobody in society. She She's lost her money, she's sick, she's alone. And the truth is, on account of her bleeding, she's what would be deemed as ceremonially unclean. It's not just that she isn't the leader of the synagogue, she's got no right to be in the synagogue. She's unclean because of her bleeding. And really, Jesus, Jesus would not uh, have been deemed to touch either the ceremonially unclean nor the dead. But in this account... She reaches out to him and she's healed and he says, daughter. And then he goes and he touches the dead girl and he raises her. It's the faith that Jesus responds to. I want to say for you, it's your faith that he will respond to. I don't know, maybe she's past caring. Maybe in her desperation, she's just, her self-consciousness is, is outweighed by her need of a change. But the Bible says she had a thought. If I can just, if, if I can just get to him if I or if I can just touch him you know faith sometimes most times starts with a thought what if God what if God God could couldn't he because this is my God this is my Jesus sometimes we're required to be bold I'm not encouraging us to be reckless, but be those with courageous faith. It reminds me of our story with the car park across the road that some of you will know about. But some years ago, here as a church, in the morning, we, we had a couple of hundred cars parking uh, on a, a piece of land which was just, just beyond uh, the, the building uh, next to our car park. And it was, it was a provision for us, but it was a piece of land that was sold to be developed, and we had a problem. We got notice in about October, I think it was, and we knew that by the end of the year, we'd no longer be able to use it, and we needed a car park for those who came to church, and we started to pray. 
And somebody heard about it and sent word over because actually across the road is an amazing car park, the Techno Center car park, but it belongs to Coventry University. Well, does it belong to Coventry University? They believe it belongs to them and contractually it belongs to them. And somebody sent word and said, can we use your car park? And the word came back, said, absolutely no chance. We don't want to have anything to do with those guys at the church. And, and the word went again and, and, and they said, you know, well, would, would the decision maker be willing to have a meeting with the pastors? And he said, I've got no interest in meeting with the pastors. But we started to pray and we started to fast. The truth was we had no credentials. We had no right. We had no leverage. We had no position. We had no authority to do anything. It was not our car park. But we came to a revelation that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, or the fullness thereof. And we reason this, that, that if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then that car park isn't the university's car park. It's my Father in Heaven's car park. We had no credentials in, in a natural sense, but before God, we had authority because we had faith. I remember we started walking on that land. We claimed it in the name of Jesus. We were praying and fasting. We were asking God. I remember one o'clock in the morning, coming out of a prayer meeting at the end of November. We needed a miracle by the end of the year. And I looked across at that car park and I literally said, just me and my car, I said, Father, what I want for Christmas is the Techno Center car park. I remember the following week when we finished prayer and fasting, uh, some people that were actually due for a conference here in, in our building had parked in there by mistake and a manager came over to rebuke us. But she walked in the building, she was impacted by the presence of God and she spoke to one of our elders and was stopped in her tracks. She was coming to tell us off and she ended up saying, what is this place? Is this a church? She said, I've, I've never felt anything quite like this before. What is going on here? And then she said the immortal words, what do you do for car parking on a Sunday? And he said to her, it's funny you should ask that. And she said, let me see what I can do for you. And she went over and the same guy that said, no, no, and definitely not, came across to have a meeting with me and shook my hand and said, to me, I just want to say, keep up the great work. And by the 1st of January, we were able to use their car park on a Sunday. We had no credentials, but we had a little faith. And I want to encourage you that you might look at a situation around your life and you have no right to see it change, but you have a God who can do anything. And this woman, although she has no right to be there, she's ceremonially unclean, but she thinks, if I can just get through. Maybe you're here this evening, and this is all brand new. You're not used to church. You're not used to a context like this. And you're hearing about Jesus, and you're watching a video. And there are people talking about the transformation that comes in Jesus. And you might think, I don't even know what's going on here. I, I don't know the songs. I don't know the protocols. I don't know whether I should stand up or sit down. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter. There are no protocols. You don't need credentials. You just need a little faith. Will you trust in this Jesus that you're hearing about? I remember the age of 17, coming out of my seat and standing down the front of a church and giving my life to Jesus. I reached out to Jesus in faith. I didn't know everything. In fact, I, I, I didn't know much at all. But I knew enough to know that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I needed Jesus. And I reached out to Him that day. And my life has never been the same since. I didn't understand the significance of what I was doing. But as, he, as I reached out, He met me where I was. Before we close our service today, if, if you don't yet know Jesus and you want to, you can make a response to Him. Maybe you're a long way from God, maybe once you walked with Him and you've lost your way, but today the Holy Spirit comes and visits you in your seat and says it's time to come home. You can reach out to Jesus. And thirdly, 
And finally, she received more than she came for. Don't get me wrong, this is an awesome story, a terrible affliction that had ruled her life for 12 long years, and she's healed. You know, that's what she was believing for, and that's what she got. The Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Somehow the virtue is drawn out of Jesus in that moment, and she reaches out, and her faith is rewarded, and power goes out from him, and she knows in her body she's been healed, and he knows something has happened. And he turns around and, and he says, who, who touched me? Somebody, somebody touched me. The disciples say, what, what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you. The crowd's pressing in. But he says, no, 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 no. Somebody, someone just touched me. And he stops the crowd and the journey to Jairus' house is put on pause and Jesus is looking around. The disciples don't understand what's going. And he's looking for the face in the crowd. And then the woman, I don't know whether he caught her eye. But she knows and she makes her way forward. And the Bible says that she was trembling with fear. And she came and she fell before Jesus. And she told him the whole truth. I wonder why she was fearful in that moment. Maybe she was fearful she was going to be publicly shamed. Maybe she was fearful even that, that after 12 long years, the healing she just received would be withdrawn because she didn't come the right way. She snuck up behind. She didn't ask politely. She didn't wait her turn in the queue. She didn't wait to go to Jairus' house and see what happened to the girl. She just reached out. I don't know. Maybe she was fearful of something. But no, the truth is she got more than she came for. Because far from anything being taken from her, Jesus looks at her and I, the Bible doesn't say that he smiled at her. But it does say this, he, he said to her, daughter. Can we all say daughter? In that moment, he, he looks at her and he says, daughter. He's saying something so profound. He, he's accepting her in front of the people, this woman that had been ceremonially unclean. And he calls her daughter. I want to say he comes right to where you are tonight. And if you'll open your heart to him, he'll call you son and he'll call you daughter. She wasn't expecting that that day. She thought if I can just touch, maybe my bleeding can stop. But she didn't just get that. She got daughter. And then, then he says your faith has healed you. But the word healed, the, the Greek word is sozo. And it's so much more than just a physical cure. It means wholeness. It means deliverance. He's saying, your faith has made you whole. Your bleeding has stopped, but your emotions are being set right. All the pain, all the challenge, all the rejection, all the things you felt and known, all the baggage that we can carry when we walk through the challenges of life. And he comes and he says, your faith has sozoed you. You know when you've been sozoed. And this woman, she receives something. Daughter, your faith has healed you. And then he says a third thing. And he says, go in peace. Can we all say peace? Did you notice in the video how many people say, the peace of God reached me? Something about the peace of God. I love it. Hamadat, where she, she says she's talking to a Rinza at work. And she's a Muslim and he's a Christian. Until I went home and I prayed to Allah and I prayed to Jesus. I prayed to, I didn't know who I was praying to. But then I made a decision to pray just to Jesus. And she says, oh, my goodness, this unbelievable peace. When we make our peace with God, 
something fills us that we could never have understood. The Bible says, bring your requests to God through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the peace that Jesus gives. He uses a word in the Greek, it's erin, and it means tranquility, safety, freedom. And it means peace with God. She reached out to Jesus, and in her faith, her life is impacted way deeper than she could have dreamed. You know, this evening, I don't want us to miss our moment. And I wonder if we can pray. I'm going to invite us right across the room to close our eyes and bow our heads. But let's open our hearts to God. Jesus. You are the life giver. You are the life changer. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in this place in these moments. As we bring this message to a close, I, I wonder if there's anyone here and you know you need to reach out to Jesus tonight. Maybe you've never given your life to him. Maybe you've never stepped out. And you know you need to give your life to Him. Maybe you're a long way from God. Maybe once you walked with Him, but you've lost your way. But tonight, you know it's time to come home. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to reach out to Him. I'm going to invite you while heads are bowed and eyes are closed to do something bold and that stand to your feet. You see this woman, she had to do something. She had to push through some people. She had to push past. She had to reach out. I'm going to invite you in just a moment, if you know you need to get right with God, where you are. And I wonder to give people freedom and respect if we can close our eyes and bow our heads. But if you know you need to get right with Him, it's time to reach out to Him. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And I wonder tonight, who needs to do that? You need to make your peace with Him. Maybe you need to make a recommitment or maybe for the very first time. If that's you, great. There's people standing across the room. Stand and stand now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you are. Jesus, if you're a Christian in this place, just, just be prayerful. If you need to stand, would you stand now? As you stand in this place, Someone from our team is going to come and just put something in your hand. It's going to help you on your journey. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you're standing, stay standing. And we're going to pray together. And this prayer is for you, whether for the very first time or a recommitment of your life to Him. If you're a Christian in this place and you've prayed a prayer to receive Jesus, I'm going to invite you to help those that are standing by praying this out loud with me, that those who are standing would pray it and mean it with all of their hearts and will help them along. Here's the prayer. Let's go together. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I put my trust in you. I respond to you. I reach out to you. Please forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. Please cleanse me and heal me. Come into my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Make me whole and grant me your peace. Help me to follow you 
Amen. Just remain standing a moment. Allow me to pray for you. Father, thank you for these dear ones, the ones that you call son and the ones that you call daughter. And I pray tonight they would walk away from this place but never be the same again. That something powerful would happen in their hearts. They would know as they've reached out to you, they've received more than they came for. And you would do a transforming work and help them on their journey to know you and live for you and shine for you. And know the fullness of your power and your love and your grace. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill them. That they may go with the joy of God in their hearts. With the assurance that they are saved. With the knowledge that you love them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, can we all stand together? I wonder. There's maybe one or two other things we want to do here. But I'm going to invite us to begin to worship. I'm going to invite you, if you know the goodness of God, you're not embarrassed to, to raise your hands with me in this place. Jesus, I want to put his name on your lips tonight. Just speak out his name in this place as the band begin to lead us in worship. Jesus, you're so good. If you know the kindness of God, why not speak out? Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his kindness. Thank him for his mercies that are new every morning. Thank Him for His outrageous love and His amazing grace. Oh God, we come to You. We love You and we bless You. Lord, I pray as we press in now in these moments, You would do something powerful in our hearts. God, You would move in a way that, that only You can move. Lord, the other things You want to do before we close our service, You would bring forth and transform lives. But we worship You. We worship You. We honor You. We love You and we bless You. Hallelujah.